You're listening to Naked Truth, a therapy podcast. Please remember to check episode notes for trigger warnings before listening. All right, that's it for me. Now here's Alicia. This is Alicia Matusiak. I am a nurse practitioner and a social worker. I have worked in the mental health field for close to 20 years, but I still look barely legal. I am the founder of Holistic Wellness Solutions and Columbus Bachelorettes and Friends. You could also call them Bachelorettes. I'm originally from Poland, and I have been told that I'm very blunt. So I started this project called The Naked Truth, a therapy podcast, because truth makes the world a better place. Okay, so we have a listener's question. This time it isn't a voice message, though, so I'm going to read that. Okay. So this person says, Lately I've been feeling numb in a way. Every time I try to get in a relationship or leave one, I just feel really dull like I can't do anything. Not sure how to deal with this problem. Well, I, I, I have to say I love this question. Okay. Um, I have a lot of personal experience with being numb and uh, feeling, well, kind of awful about being in relationships. Um, I went through a very, very um, emotionally challenging divorce. Um, and um, I know from experience how we can sort of, uh, to protect ourselves, uh, become numb to relationships. So it, it's just one of our coping and defense mechanisms as human beings to become numb to something that's painful. Uh, especially if you go through the same experience um, over and over and over again. So um, I can truly connect and relate to this uh, question. So why do we become numb? Well, again, when something is painful, we, we sort of emotionally protect ourselves from being hurt again. So when you leave one relationship, uh, no matter whether you're the one leaving the relationship or whether uh, the other person leaves the relationship, you essentially go through a phase of withdrawal. And different people experience different ranges of emotions, uh, sadness, um, sometimes euphoria, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, because they might be happy for a period of time. But no matter what, and no matter how bad or good a relationship was, um, you had hopes that this relationship would work out. And even though it seems that people right now go from a relationship to a relationship to another relationship, most of us... In, you know, in our true hearts, when you, when you just when you just open up your heart and you look in there, uh, you will notice that most human beings would like to have just one partner that they could be madly in love with and that they could share their life with and that everything would be wonderful. And it's the fairy tale. Uh, we want the fairy tale, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of us um, want to believe that there's someone that is out there just for us and that it might be our soulmate. Uh, and when you end a relationship, all of those hopes essentially die uh, within that realm of that one relationship. So if you go through this experience, let's say 10 times or 20 times, and depending on a person, you know, and how quickly they re, you know, uh, get better, I would say, and they enter the next relationship, you may be ready, you may not be ready, but with each relationship, more of that hope is dying that you have that one person somewhere just for you. And so you might become numb. So when you are numb, it would be a very good signal for you to take a break, refocus your life, and try to focus on building up yourself first and being okay by yourself first. And then when that happens, and that could take a long time sometimes, uh, then you might be able again to feel something when you're entering in your relationship. Wow. So think about it like this also, because, uh, you know, I, I, as you can tell, I thought about it a lot. <laughs> I am a pro at, uh, I would say, um, failed relationships. I'm a pro at that. So... So I have a lot of experience and, and, and wisdom to share. Yeah, I would say you're wise. You know. Well, thank you. Um, but <laughs> think of it like this. If you, um, let's say you, you're constantly hitting a wall with your hand, okay? 
and you're doing this for 30 minutes. At first, it hurts a lot, right? And then eventually that hand might become numb. It's the same process with emotions. So when you're feeling the same emotions over and over and over and over again, you, you, you lose sensitivity. You are not experiencing, you know, that falling in love the same way as you did when you first time fell in love. Can you ever get back to that even if you spend a lot of time alone or is there kind of always going to be kind of, hmm. will that just mature with time or I don't know I uh, kind of uh, can't fall in love with people right now so I wouldn't know <laughs> so so I can only talk from my own experience right I don't know how it is for other people really but I know that my marriage my you know my my ex-husband uh, he was truly the love of my life and um, I considered my marriage to be for me it was perfect you know, and I will always miss that feeling. Um, I don't know if there's another person that I will ever meet that I would feel the same way about. Um, and I, you know, I, I, I truly wish him to be happy, and I hope he is. Um, you know, in my idealistic head, I always thought that we would stay friends uh, through the, you know, divorce and then uh, moving on with life. My divorce happened now, I, I have to say, maybe 11 years ago. And I cried so much every day uh, when it was first happening. Um, you know, at first it's the, the shock, you know, because you think that you, uh, yeah, I always thought to myself that that he was uh, the person I was going to spend the rest rest of my life with, and then you know the shock happens because you know he fell in love with someone from work, and I couldn't, my brain couldn't comprehend that. It was it was like this experience where you speak the same language and you and he can explain what's going on and and you try to understand it. It was almost like my brain could not compute what was happening. And um, so, so I couldn't understand. I couldn't understand why he was going to leave or why he was going to break up our marriage. We, we were, I, I was always considering this as a, the best of friends. We did a lot of things together, went on trips. We had a wonderful life together. Uh, and then, of course, you know, when he fell in love with someone else, uh, he always said to me he felt like I was a part of his family. He felt close to me, but he fell out of that romantic love with me. And I, I always try to understand that. I, I, I can't exactly understand it still. But, you know, I think a lot of good happened out of that experience. So whenever we become, I would say, numb or uh, whenever we feel negative emotions out of a breakup or or ending of a relationship, I think we have to remember that there's so much growth that will happen because of that. And so um, sometimes with, with my patients, when I talk to them, I say, um, remember that manure is the best thing that makes plants grow, right? So when shit happens in your life... Remember that you're going to grow, plants. right? <laughs> Put it on your plants, but then also remember this is this this shed that happens in your life is the uh, manure for your soul. Your soul, you are going to grow from this. It stinks. And it, mm, I mean, can you beep this out? It fucking stinks. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <For> explicit. <laughs> right. But. Um, it's so, it so sucks. I mean, yeah. my, uh, oh. gosh, I mean, it sucked. I was, I was, I didn't want to live when my relationship ended. Why we don't want to live when our relationships end, and some people experience this with, with their full heart, is because a lot of us identify with the relationship. We identify, we create our identities around being a wife or a husband. And when that ends, we go into this period of time where we don't know what to do with ourselves. You know, I didn't know what to do with myself. I, I didn't move very far, right? I, you know, my ex-husband stayed in the house. It was a huge house and I moved into a little tiny apartment, you know, and it was in a different section of town. And, and just that move, 20 minutes apart, 
in a different side of town, I felt completely like a different person. I didn't know what to do with myself. I didn't, I didn't, I, I couldn't, I would look around and I felt like a foreigner in a foreign country. And I am a foreigner, haha. <laughs> but a foreigner in terms of like nothing felt normal anymore. Nothing felt like like it was still the same city. It was still the same place. It was it just everything felt different. So sometimes when you get taken out of your surroundings, yeah. Out of that identity of, you know, I was taken out out of my identity of being a wife. Right. When you get taken out of that, you literally, it's not just as simple as, oh, you're going to move and you're going to make a few new friends and, and you're going to find a new grocery store. You're rebuilding your whole fucking life, okay? Yeah. And you have to remember that. You're rebuilding everything. And so you're not just physically rebuilding your life, right? Because you have to change addresses and that's annoying. You have to change your name. You have to... Um, move, you have to Get buy new furniture, stuff, yeah. right? Get rid of your stuff. You can't see the same friends because you kind of split. Oh, that's hard. Like All that was it. something I definitely dealt with was mm -hmm. I found my find myself missing my ex's family. Yes. <laughs> and not missing them. Yes. Yes. All <laughs> of that is so painful. A, yeah. Yes. Awkward. And just wondering, I mean, I shouldn't spend too much time in this space, but wondering if they, what they heard about me or what they think now and, like, if their view has changed or, you know, and thoughts like that. But So you have to make peace with all of that, oh, yeah. right? So, so no matter whether the relationship was good or bad, you are going to go through a gamut of emotions and some of them are going to be good. I mean, I, I was sometimes driving my car and I would be laughing, not an evil kind of a laugh, but I would be just like, oh my gosh, I'm free now. I'm free from, because when, whenever you have a relationship, there's always a price that you pay for that, right? Sometimes you are doing things to please the other person that maybe you wouldn't do otherwise. In my relationship, uh, farting was just not something we did. Really? Yeah. Oh, I would die. I, I just couldn't fart. Okay. No. <laughs> just couldn't do it. It was something, it was unspoken. It was just one of those things where it was not polite to do. So, so that just seemed like it never happened. I think that as a result, I developed some type of a gastric reflex issue because mm -hmm. the gases, unfortunately, were stuck human beings. In there. The gases are stuck in there and they're going to come out some other way. So they would, I would burp because they have to come out somehow. Uh, so now I fart, so I'm free to do Congrats. that. So yay! <laughs> you know, divorce sometimes happens because you, you just need, need to fart. fart. Yeah, you just exactly. need to fart. It's just like a fart. But he was, you know, he yeah. was such a wonderful person. And uh -huh. and again, I had the most wonderful time with him for ten years, and we did so many things together that w that were just awesome. Um, and. Then you go through that phase of, well, now you can't look at him the same way. Now he's dating somebody. Now, you know, your life is falling apart. You have to move. So there's a period of time where your identity is just going through a crisis. You, you don't know who you are. And that's going to go on for a while. And the longer the relationship is, the longer that confusion state is going to last. I, mm -hmm. I definitely feel that, like, when I was a uh, teenager and I was in a relationship, I did, I noticed that the way I view relationships is completely different. Like, back then it was an identity. It made, it was like an extension of me, although a partner in a way might be kind of like that. But to me, back then, I thought it was, it's just like the most important thing. And now I'm like, now I feel like my, like, the most important thing to me is being me and figuring out who I am. And I think part of that was probably the nature of the relationships I've been in, which aren't that many, but, um, you know, they went as a teenager and, and young adult, it was more, I'm still a young adult, but I, young, young adult, <laughs> like the two relationships were just super important and the nature wasn't something I would be in now, um, after knowing what I know, but what am I trying to say? Um, I think because they weren't the healthiest relationships, it can, it was consuming. So now that I'm in a healthy relationship, I and like the time I spent before getting into this relationship, I feel very independent. And I feel like I'm really growing. I think I was growing in those relationships in a 
much more difficult way. But now I just have so much time for me and my mind isn't clogged with, oh, I need to ask them this. I need to ask for this. I need to make sure they're okay with this. And it's more relaxed. Yeah. Sounds like you were asking for permission to to do different things. That's exhausting. Mm -hmm. Or like wondering if they're going to take this the wrong way Mm -hmm. or if they're going to be jealous of this Mm -hmm. and... So you're right. Relationships can be exhausting, yes. especially when they are happening with toxic people yeah. <laughs> or people that just have a bad personality. Right. right. It's mm-hmm. a whole different dynamic. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds like with you, you guys were, were great, except for that end, the ending. The ending, you know, and, and when I was going through it, I remember, you know, when I found out that he was in love with someone else. And, and you can kind of feel it. And I don't know if women have more of an intuition or yeah. not. But I remember feeling for a few months that something was wrong, but I couldn't figure out what it was. You know, at first I thought he was depressed and uh, I was trying to find different supplements and help him, right? Because I'm in mental health profession, so I was trying to help him. Yeah. (laughs) And then later I found out that he was in love with someone else and that's why we were not clicking exactly the same way and uh, he was withdrawing from me. But I remember driving. I felt like I had to, in, in this the midst of this identity crisis, I remember feeling like I had to do something. And there's nothing you can do about someone wanting to leave you. There's, You can't make someone fall in love with you, right? Even if you are a mental health specialist and know everything about everything, <laughs> right. it's, you, can't, you can't force love. Yeah. You can't. Mm. So, you know, I, but I felt like I had to do something. So when you feel energy this, of this kind of a, forceful nature where you have to do something, um, you may want to go for a run, exercise. What I did was I got in my car and I drove. I drove all the way to Chicago. And when I was married, I have to say I was not exactly completely independent. I did rely a lot on my ex-husband to take us places, to drive, to take the leadership position in the marriage, right? I, I felt good about sitting back and relaxing and letting someone else make all the decisions. But, you know, what came out of this is after 11 years of being in the leadership position and having to make a lot of decisions and not being able to sit back and let someone else drive and do all those things that in a relationship we take for granted, I actually, I actually understand men a lot more. And I actually feel... Uh, a huge sense of compassion for them for everything that they do. Because we as women, when we take that, not submissive exactly position, but when we take that almost like a secondary role in the relationship where we let the guy, you know, in, in the marriage maybe pay for the bills and bring the bacon home. And um, what we don't understand is that when they are the ones making all of these different difficult decisions, there's a cost that they pay, which is feeling an emotional pressure all the time, right? So when you're a guy, I'm assuming, because now I'm kind of like a guy, I have large female nuts, essentially. (laughs) You know, I had to develop female nuts because there's no other way around it. If you want to live and survive, you know, you have to keep, fighting through life and you have to keep surviving. You have to keep going, right? So so I think what guys go through is they are constantly bombarded with various levels of responsibilities, uh, such as, you know, they, they, they are the ones, maybe their name might be on the, all of the bills or uh, maybe uh, they are the ones that have to make uh, phone calls to lawyers or maybe they are the ones that have to uh, decide at the end of the day, what happens with all of their investments or, you know, just, just hundreds of little things that you wouldn't think otherwise about uh, that they have to decide on and make decisions on. What happens at the end of the day is that person that makes all of these different decisions feels very, very responsible, carries that burden of responsibility. Because if one investment doesn't go well, well, guess what? Who's responsible? The person that decided what to do with the money, right? Uh, if, um, you know, maybe they picked up, picked the plan, insurance plan, and, and the plan ended up being worse than something else. Well, guess 
who's responsible, the person that made the decision. And I mean, it, it, it's always different in different marriages. You yeah, know. there are different structures. There's then, different structures. Yeah. But I, I think that being by myself and fighting through life by myself, I can see how many things maybe I took for granted uh, that I didn't realize that uh, were for, for my ex-husband, you know, at that time may have been burdens that I didn't know he carried because I, I didn't see it. I didn't see that perspective because I was not the one, you know, making these decisions or dealing with it. But I do owe him, and I will always have gratitude for that. I do owe him, uh, I was a very young person when I got married. I was 21. So, and I was new to this country. Uh, I moved when I was 19. So I was uh, 21 when I got married. So I was very young. And I, I feel a huge sense of debt to him for teaching me everything that I know. I, I consider him one of my greatest teachers uh, because he was very wise on different things and I wouldn't have known how um, various things in America work or yeah. how the laws are or, you know, uh, just just the different things that he that he explained to me that that I would just never think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even when I moved here, it was a shock. But right, but you were—it was a whole different language too mm-hmm. for you, right? So that's wow. Definitely, it's uh, yes, it was it was a huge learning curve. But I remember, you know, when when I was going through the divorce, I remember feeling that pressure to drive, and to go and to. So one time, I I um, I was living in German Village around that area, or maybe Brewer District closer to that area. And I remember I, I felt this this restlessness. I had to do something. I felt so miserable. I compare I could compare it to um if you have a wound anywhere on your body and you put a bunch of salt in it, it's gonna hurt. Yeah. That's what the divorce felt like. It felt miserable all the time. I never felt calm. I just felt this restlessness, like I had to do something. And there was nothing I could do because, again, you can't make someone fall back in love with you. So you end up being by yourself because you're so miserable. Your friends get tired of listening to you complain about the same thing. Um, I also felt like I couldn't focus on anyone else other than, than myself at that time. I couldn't listen. I couldn't be present for people. Whereas, you know, all the time prior to that and then later once I moved past it, I was able to listen again and feel something, but I was very numb. And I think that's why that question is kind of interesting to me. Maybe not even numb, but just, just, I couldn't feel for anyone else other than the pain that I was already feeling for myself. So maybe it's kind of like a glass is already full of water. You can't put more water in there. So you can't feel anyone's pain because you have so much pain on your own. But I just remember, you know, being in my uh, brewery district the apartment and, and and felt this pressure, like I had to be doing something and, and you know, how many times can you go for a walk? Yeah. But, but you know, that's what I did. I went from, uh, from brewery district all the way to Worthington and I walked along High Street and I walked there and then I turned around and walked back. On my way back, I remember uh, Obama was here visiting um, Ohio State campus and he was doing a speech. And I remember stopping by and uh, going through the line and um, and wanting to listen to him, but he was just so far away. So, you know, I was so miserable. I kind of didn't have the patience to keep waiting. So I turned around and walked back, you know, to my apartment. I remember my shoes fell apart as I was walking and I went to the store and got a new pair of shoes throughout the old ones and I <laughs> kept walking. But, you know, it's like the things you have to do to get through your pain are unbelievable sometimes. Yeah. And that was one of those things. I don't know how many miles this is, but it would take you probably 20, 25 minutes of driving, and I remember walking from like, you know, 10 a.m. till 5 or 6 p.m. It's just a restless energy. Very restless. And yeah. and you just never feel good. Um, I remember, you know, I had to, um, one of those times I had to drive to Chicago because I, you know, I had a friend there. And I just felt like if I changed the surroundings, then maybe I would feel better. So I did whatever it took to feel better. And I remember driving and sobbing in the car and... And having that inner voice that said to me, you know, and I always feel like that was God talking to me. You know, God wasn't exactly talking to me out loud, but God was sort of like within me and was saying, "Um, Alicia, (laughs) you're here to love. 
And remember that you love this person with your full heart for 10 years. And is, is this 5% of your relationship or less worth hating him for leaving? And if he's going to be happy without you, then wouldn't you want him to be happy just somewhere else? And I remember that, you know, I was so thankful that, that God would talk to me that way and would explain it to me. That when, when we are here to love, because that's exactly what we're here to do. We are here to love. You know, money might be the currency of the physical world, right? We need something. But love is the currency of our emotions. And we are here to love. And when I realized that truth, I thought to myself, of course it's not worth to hate him. I will always love him, no matter what. I always loved him and I will always love him. And I want him to be happy. And if it means that he will be happy without me, with someone else, please, God, let someone be happy. And I remember just pulling over because, you know, I was just sobbing and pulling over and uh, typing up this email to him. And I said in it, you know, I am sorry that we are not able to be together, but I truly want you to be happy and I forgive you and I don't want you to feel bad about it. I want you to do whatever it takes for you to be happy and, you know, and just do whatever it takes. And if that means leaving and being with someone else that you love, then let's do it, you know? That's real genuine love because most people would not be <laughs> that nice. <laughs> well, I think that also it just comes as a part of life, you know, what is love? Uh, you ask yourself, is it possessiveness? Is it is it to, you know, why are you with someone? Are you with that person because you want to, you know, keep them forever because you want to possess them, like you possess your shoes or your car? Right. Or are you with them because you want them to be happy, you know? And if you look at it from that point of view then if they are not happy, they shouldn't be with you. If they are miserable with you, my goodness, I would never want anyone to be miserable because of me. I would remove myself immediately from that equation. So, uh, but, you know, I think it, I, I'm, I'm happy that I was able to receive that sort of message, you know, from, from God. Um, and I... I I felt very connected at that time. You know, it was a very painful time, but I felt very connected to the universe, to God. Um, and I, you know, I don't go to church. I, I feel like church is an institution created by people. And sometimes there's people in there that maybe are not exactly truthful. But I do believe in God. And I, and I believe God is with me all the time. And sometimes I can hear God. And sometimes I can't because maybe I'm too busy doing something that is earthly. <laughs> but it's always good that God is there and that, you know, that, that he or she, because yeah. <laughs> God has no gender, right? Right. right. <laughs> but it's, it's always good to know that God is there for me. It's interesting how pain brings us closer to things that are hard to explain. Very true. That's when I always write the best music, which is really annoying because then I feel like I almost search for something painful just to be able to write sometimes because it's really hard. Very true. Very true. And, you know, that's why relationships, when you when you look at literature and you look at music and mu movies, I mean, everything is about love, right? Everything. Everything. This podcast. Hey, <laughs> this podcast. It's about naked truth and yeah. love and and being happy. Right. And, right. Uh, but so, yes, I mean, uh -huh. this, this question that the listener asked about being numb when you go for relationships. So after my divorce, I went through this period of time where I, uh, you know, I, I felt angry. I didn't feel maybe angry at my ex-husband. I mean, I felt different, of course, emotions, but I felt angry that my marriage was over, that 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 was done. And I wanted to replace my ex-husband with someone, right? Because cause when you know, a stupid metaphor, but when one employee leaves and the job is open, you got to hire somebody else, right? <laughs> so it was like, hey, I have a uh, opening here and I need to hire somebody for the job. And I went through a series of relationships and 
I think I wasn't ready for a relationship because I was miserable. I, I probably cried every day for at least a year. And then I cried probably every other day or every three days for another two or three years after that. And you can still tell that, I, that it creates emotions in me. Uh, but, but ultimately, I went through a series of these different relationships with different people, for which also I'm very thankful for because you grow from that. You learn who you are. Uh, and when you're with just one person, sometimes you... you you learn to be a certain way and maybe different qualities of your personality never come out because there's no need for that. So I learned uh, that I could be actually mean when I'm around people that are mean to me. Uh, I learned that, you know, with my ex-husband, we almost never argued. We actually named our arguments. Uh, they had funny names because we never argued. So we had like the washing machine incident or you know, <laughs> the chewing gum incident, right? Because we had so many, so so few arguments that we named them and we joked about it later. But I learned that when I'm dating different people with different temperaments or personalities, I can't scream actually. I can scream at people. I can get there. And and when I do that, I realize, okay, this may not be the right person for me to be in a relationship with because I don't want to be that way right. <laughs> at all. I know you said you were uh what you said something about failing relationships, but I wouldn't consider them failures then if you're learning and That is correct. And so, 11 years, that sounds pretty successful and no fights except for the washing machine incident and that's pretty good. <laughs> But I suppose, I guess, depends how you measure a success. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if you measure it by staying together, then uh, that would be still a failed relationship. Yeah. But I agree with you. And that's why when people say, you know, I'm numb or I, you know, I, I, I consider my relationship failed, I'm with you. I, I think we shouldn't look at it black and white. We should look at it as a learning experience. It's just and a bunch of experiences. A bunch mm -hmm. of experiences. And you can't learn when you don't go through life. Right. And a lot pain. And, and yeah. pain and everything that comes with it. And again, best flowers grow out of the worst manure, the most smelly one, right? right? And so. I know you were t mentioning how you learn different parts of yourself yes. um, with different relationships. And then we talked about relationship structures and traditional stuff and all that. Um, then I was thinking maybe we need an episode about non-traditional relationships. And I know someone that we can talk to about that. Definitely. That would be really interesting. Definitely. So no relationship is really a failed relationship because every relationship that we go through, we enrich ourselves with, uh, with different things that we learn from the other person. And we always learn, even from I know that this is not, not going to sound good, but even from the abusive relationships that we are in, we are learning something. And I believe that people stay in those relationships for as long as they are learning something. And the moment they figure it out, they are ready to move on and learn something else. And that's, you know, as simple as that. I have to agree. I feel like I learned so much. But when you realize it and the lesson clicks, it's like a switch goes off. And I have a, another friend who said that her experience was the same way. Hers was really intense, but there's like a switch that goes off and it just, it makes sense. You know, when people can just tell you all the time, all this wisdom, but until you really get it, yes. the words don't have meaning until you feel it kind of Until sometimes. you live it. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's why we could, we could read a number of books on relationships and we would never have the knowledge and the, the wisdom that we would until we experience. Mm -hmm. And I, I almost feel like not only it clicks, it feels like, okay, so let's say you're in a relationship and the two puzzles, you and the partner, you fit together for whatever reason, okay? Maybe he's abusing you and maybe you have a really low self-esteem so you guys fit because you sort of internally believe that you deserve that abuse, Okay. But now the moment you change yourself, the moment you start to believe in a you that doesn't deserve the abuse, you change. Your energy changes. And guess what? The puzzles don't fit together anymore. So not only that it clicks in you that it no longer fits, it's almost like that relationship is going to fall apart on its own because you no longer fit and the guy's going to feel it or, you know, the woman, whoever you're with. 
so the other party is going to feel that you no longer fit and the relationship falls apart naturally. Right. Or they'll keep fighting and keep trying to destroy your self-esteem so you stay, so the puzzle True. fits and chip True. it away. That's exactly. But eventually it's just... It's just going to fall apart because yeah. you no longer fit, you know, you no longer... Match, yeah. Match, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So no failed relationships, really. But when you do feel that you're numb, again, it might be a defense mechanism. It might be kind of a, uh, a uh, almost like a warning from your body saying like, listen, you've been through a lot of relationships. You've went through the same emotions. You're burned out. Take a step back. Take a yeah. step back, regroup. You know, figure yourself out a little bit, and then maybe you're maybe you're ready to jump back in. So, so for myself, okay, because I the only thing I can talk about truly is myself right. and my own That's experience. Your experience. Mm-hmm. So, so for ten years, um, I went through these different relationships and trying out things. And my longest relationship lasted about three years and it was an on and off relationship. And that's where I found myself screaming. Mm. And so I had to make a very logical decision. You know, I love the person. I, I wish them well. I, I hope life is wonderful for that person, but, but I also can't stay in that relationship because I know that ultimately we would be fighting and I, I, that's not what I want to do. I don't want to spend the rest of my life fighting with someone. Oh, no. Not at all. So, so I had to step away from that relationship and I've not been in a relationship now for over a year and I have not felt the need to be in a relationship, which is actually very new for me. I always felt like... I wanted to replace my ex-husband or I wanted to be in a relationship or um, felt like something was missing from my life when I wasn't in a relationship. And for the first time in my life, like I said, for over a year now, I feel like I'm okay. And, 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 you know, and I, I try to like understand this because you don't understand how huge that is for me. I, I never thought I would feel like that. So to me, this this feeling is so new and weird that I'm still trying to comprehend it. I'm like, what do you mean you're not going to have somebody? You know? And I'm just like, I don't need anybody. That's when they show up, though. <laughs> like, well, I feel like I got to that place where I was like, I don't, I don't need it. And then that's when I, like, took things with my, with my current partner. We were friends, but then I was like, it just kind of naturally happened. Sure. But yeah. but see here's the thing when people say to you you know when you're when you're single or dating or yeah. or or don't have anybody people will always say well you know if you if you just wait a little longer or you know he will yeah. show up when you're I'm, not looking I, mm-hmm. you know and that what happens is you're always kind of waiting, waiting and looking yeah. right because you're always kind of like well yeah maybe that's what's going to happen and and truthfully, waiting is really exhausting. And, you know, going places and always like looking o- around and, and thinking like, oh, maybe the one is right there waiting for me somewhere, you know? And it's, I always felt silly about it. So I didn't mean to say that no, to no, say no, that you should be, but I was, I mean, I'm just speaking from my experience. No, no, you're like good. Every time I, I get back to that place, it's mm-hmm. like, oh. <laughs> right. But so so I don't know if this is normal and I'm going to say that. Yeah. So what you said is very very true and mm-hmm. I completely agree with you. And I don't know if what I feel is absolutely normal because I don't have right now the need to be in a relationship. I don't feel like I need anyone. I don't feel like I'm missing anything out on life. I feel okay. I'm not waiting for the first time in my life. I'm not looking around my shoulder and thinking like, "Oh, he's coming." You know, I am okay. And I'm so happy about it because, because I wasn't for a long time. I was always waiting. And, and I guess the fear, when you say that comment, you're saying like, oh, maybe he's going to show up. I think I, I, I have a sense of fear because I, I don't want this to change. I, do, I don't want to feel like I'm waiting again. So I don't want to jinx myself. So it's, it's almost like I feel good. I don't want to change that. I want to be okay. And if, you know, people always say, well, he's going to come. It, it, people always make me feel like the fact that I'm by myself, that it's wrong or that I'm missing something out. And people always kind of make these polite comments like, well, you know, someone will come or... Like assuming you're not happy. Like assuming that you're not happy because being single is considered almost like a disease or a condition, right? right. Kind of. 
because life is made for couples, let's face it. But, but it's almost like I just want to be okay. I don't want to wait. I want to live my life. That's why, you know, I go on my single trips. I go by myself. I will out of nowhere decide that I had enough working and <laughs> I will just buy a ticket for the next day and go someplace and do hiking and, and, and rent a car and drive, you know, like last time I went to Texas and I just went to three national parks and I, and I didn't meet anyone and I didn't talk to too many people and kind of like Texas people seemed like assholes. Nobody wanted to talk to me. Oh, okay. Even when I made comments like out loud, people were like, whatever, dude. Weird. Yeah. Oh. It was so, but I feel good about, you know, kind of like you mentioned, you were before it, when you're in a relationship, sometimes you don't have the freedom to do the things that maybe you would do otherwise. You almost feel like you have to ask for permission all the time. And I don't know if that's for both men and women, if it's the same, or maybe it's more for women because we're socialized to follow the lead of a guy. I don't know. And I'm also maybe more traditional because I come from Poland where relationship is a little probably more traditional, you know, husband, wife, you know, wife does what the husband says. Uh, my mom always also says wife is like the neck, you know, you kind of bend the relationship mm. whichever way you go, but you let the guy think that mm. they are the head. You know, to I make feel like feel I good. was kind of in that mind space, and mm -hmm. now it's kind of a joke. I I'll be like I, I think I make an extra effort to make sure I establish that I make my own decisions. Like I'll I'll mm -hmm. say, oh, I'm going here. Yeah, and then my partner will say, oh, well, you can't do that as a joke because right. it's hilarious. Like right. we we pretend like there's some kind of control but there right. really is <laughs> so we make it a joke to add some excitement right, right. like you're not allowed to and then we'll be with um his mom or something and ordering food and and he will say oh you're having a salad okay and then you need to clean the house when you go home and I'll be like all righty like like as a joke <laughs> But, that is hilarious. <laughs> and I think it's cute that you guys can joke like that. But there are some relationships where that's still the case. You oh, know, yeah. somebody has full control over the other person. Yeah. You know. No, I've been there and it's terrible. So yeah. now I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum. Well, <laughs> and even so in your in your case, uh, some of your past relationships, it sounds like there was physical almost and emotional control over what you would do. In my case, when I was married, it wasn't there wasn't any control, so to speak. It was just my own, I think, desire to make the other person happy. So I would just try to fit in to whatever it was that I would think would make the other person happy. And you can't realize that you're doing that until you actually leave the relationship. And then you realize, wow, I've done something maybe for 10 years, and I actually don't like doing that. But I've done it because... That's what was the expectation, right? Well, I found out I love farting, right? <laughs> but I've not done it for 10 years. You wouldn't have known. I wouldn't have known. I yeah. mean, yeah, see how much <laughs> learning you can do? <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess to bring it back yeah. to the to the uh, question. Um, Shoot, that was some, a long way to answer no, the know, question. No, I know. I'm like, we need to have another episode. I know. Um what are some – so if you're numb, it's probably a sign that you need to – Take a break. Take a break from dating and yeah. focus on you and – Focus on you. Friends and, maybe. You know, and I think, you know, the other the, – the question we got, maybe it was yesterday, it was about focusing on yourself too much and focusing on your mental oh, health yeah. too much. Problem so when, solving all the time, perfectionism. So when do you know when it's too much and then when – so I think everything in life is about finding a happy medium, right? So – so you always, when you're in a relationship, you sort of need to always step back once in a while and, and try to assess it for yourself and see if, are you doing too much in the relationship? Are you chasing? Are you the one being chased? Uh, are you the one doing all of the chores and the other person is not? So just kind of asking yourself different questions. And I know this is going to sound like you know, old and and boring, but journaling. I think it's an underrated and overlooked yes. uh, coping I've mechanism. never journaled and then felt, oh, why did I journal? 
you know, well, I'm always like, well, I feel a little lighter. Or it'll be like, yes. whoa, I feel so much better. Yes. Yeah. So journaling will allow you to unburden yourself from all these different thoughts that you might be feeling. And sometimes when you when you write something down, you will realize like, well, that's silly. Do I really think that? And when you think it, it seems like, yeah, it's serious, it's heavy, you know. But when you write it down, you're like, oh, that sounds kind of silly. I can just move on now. You know, I wrote it out. It's kind of like cleansing your soul. And I so journaling actually was one of the things that helped me move through the divorce and the post-divorce era, you know. Awesome. Mm-hmm. I actually journaled since I was about seven or eight. I have all my journals. And I remember when I was seven, I started, and my handwriting was terrible. So I think at about eight or nine, I tore all my journal up because I, I, this is what I believed at that time. I believed that I was not good enough, that I was never going to be good enough, and that I was mediocre. So I remember as this little girl, I was standing there with my, with my journal crying, and I looked at my writing, and I felt like it was just so mediocre and not good. Because, I mean, I was a seven- to eight-year-old kid. Like, like, how good can your handwriting be? It's not good. So I looked at it. I, I judged it from an adult point of view, and I said to myself, you're mediocre, you're not good enough, you're never going to be good enough, and and I tore it with anger. Mm. And uh, I wish I kept it. You know, it would be kind of cute to see what I wrote back then. Probably. I, I journaled too, but I, I ripped it up because I was scared someone would find sure. it. Sure. But I wish I could read it. Sure. But I do have songs that I wrote. Okay. So that's cool. Yes, yes. And, you know, and so it's always awesome to later on go back to some of the writings that you did when you were younger and see your progression because you're going to (laughs) see as years progress, you're still the same person. You still have a lot of the same feelings, but you, you will be growing throughout this whole time. So it's just, just kind of cool. It's pretty dark. Some of the songs. Some of the songs and journaling Most can be dark. Most of them, actually. Mm-hmm. I feel like my journal, one time I flipped back and mm-hmm. I had to close it. I was like, no. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, at least that's going somewhere and not rattling in my head. So. Well, and, you know, <laughs> and sometimes, you know, I think about it like this. When you eat toxic food or food with bacteria or something that's not good for you, you know, you, you will develop some type of food poisoning. It's going to sit on your tummy. And this is not going to be a nice metaphor, but in order to get rid of it, you got to poop it out or you got to vomit it out. You got to do something with it. If it keeps sitting in your gut, it's going to keep making you sick, right? Mm -hmm. So it's the same with bad emotions. When we harbor and hold on to bad emotions, we are essentially poisoning our mind and our body, okay? And because all of this is connected, you're going to develop physical illness when you're holding on to a lot of pain that you may have experienced in the past and you think about it and you dwell on it and you hold on to it, right? So when you journal, is it's a process where you free yourself from, from the overwhelming power that it has over you. And therapy, does that kind of the is same, similar? The mm-hmm. same thing. But sometimes people don't feel they want to disclose certain things to a therapist. And like you said, some of those things are very private. So you worry that maybe someone is going to find out or someone's going to find the journal, read it, and know something about you that you don't want them to know. Um, it's the same with therapy. Some people are afraid that if someone finds out about something I'm doing or something I'm thinking about, the therapist is going to do something about it or, uh, or it's going to come to light. And any time that you have those thoughts, that's just a sign that you're harboring or holding on to something that's very toxic to your soul. So I would still encourage you to find a way to share it in some form, some way, some, some fashion. Uh, maybe, again, journaling and then burning it. Uh, journaling, ripping it apart, typing it up and deleting it, but that doesn't sound as cool. <laughs> right. No, I like the burning. <laughs> so. What if you're feeling good, you've been single for a while, and then you start dating, and then the numbness comes back? Is that possible? I think that it's possible because um, because your body will remember things and your memory and your and your mind will remember things. So let's say let's say you were burnt literally 
by something in your life and you might have some scars on your body. If a similar experience happens to you again and you get close to a fire again, you might develop... May trigger something. May trigger something and you might be worried. And so... Um, so when you start to feel numb in a relationship again, after you already felt good, you might want to assess the health of your relationship by st standing back a little bit and trying to see if there's anything that, that is happening that might be causing you to feel that way. Mm -hmm. So maybe, maybe the person that you left before uh, was abusive, let's say emotionally abusive, and now you've been single for a year or two, and you felt good, and you entered another relationship, and maybe you feel numbness uh, or some type of a negative emotion uh, that you can't put your finger on, but you just don't feel right. Well, uh, maybe that person that you're with is doing something that might be triggering you, or maybe you're noticing the same qualities in that person, and, and that's why some of the same feelings are coming back. So when you think about numbness, think, defensive mechanism. Okay. So you, what numbness essentially is, is your unwillingness or your refusal to feel pain. So you numb mm -hmm. yourself and you sort of try to not feel anything. Mm. Okay. So when you're not feeling anything. Not feeling joy either. You're not feeling joy either. So, so again, so it might be you need to distance yourself from the relationship, reassess it. Uh, and then, or figure out, maybe there's something else that's going on. Sometimes people will uh, develop uh, over the years and over those difficult experiences, they will develop depression. And they, and they might start to feel numb because some of that depression is coming back. Because again, you know, hey, when you fall in love, you will feel euphoria. Right. And right? That, of course, that's temporary. So it's going to be temporary because we can't continue producing these euphoric chemicals like die or something for the rest of your life yeah. right so so at some point you're going to stop feeling all of those chemicals and reality settles in so mm -hmm. so maybe that's what's what's happening could be either uh there's red flags you're picking on in the relationship or maybe depression is coming in and and or you're grieving something yeah. that maybe you never had time to grieve before mm, interesting mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I hope we answered your question. Mostly Alicia, though. She's a professional. But um, oh, <laughs> and then I ask you're, questions. You're spectacular, <laughs> Sophie. Give yourself credit. And remember, if you want to also ask a question, you can check out the link in the episode notes or email us, and we'll put all the information in the episode notes for you to use. Hope thank to hear from you. Yes, <laughs> and thank you for asking such wonderful questions. And uh, Being honest and yes. vulnerable, that takes a lot. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>